0: Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we welcome back our friend, the Game King himself, Sean <laughs> Elysium-Sands. Hello. And we also welcome back uh, freelance writer, John Bolding. Hello, hello. So today we're going to be talking about Star Wars uh, Rebellion. Which is a game we've, (laughs) which is an exact title we have talked about on this show before. uh, But this is a totally different game. Uh, The last Star Wars Rebellion we talked about was a 90s PC strategy game. Uh, with some very quirky and unique elements that actually sort of uh, anticipate the, the coming uh, paradox line of strategy games, I would argue. This mm-hmm. is a game that borrows a, a lot of the same theme. It's a, a grand strategic view of uh, the, the war in, in Star Wars, um, as you remember it from the, the real Star Wars movies and not the prequels, uh, about the, the battle between the Rebellion and the and the Galactic Empire, uh, but it's taking a very very different approach. Uh, so this this is a game that is made by uh, Fantasy Flight Games, and let's start with that because because uh, I think I went into this <laughs> I think I went into this. Uh, I, w- I was visiting I was visiting Sean uh, last weekend. Yep. And we were in the mood for a board game. And we kind of went like, hey, let's play a Fantasy Flight grand strategy game about Star Wars. And we got exactly what that sounds
1: like. Yes. So, John. That's what it says on the 10, right? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Uh, It's it's slightly
0: over-engineered. It's a little bit fussy. But once you grok the systems, uh, it's... I I would argue it's actually a pretty compelling and interesting take on uh, asymmetric warfare that I nevertheless have some have some re- reservations about. Uh, John, you want to talk us through a little bit yeah. of, like how the game how the game actually works and how it's structured? Yeah. So it takes. Or did you say
2: Sean? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll jump in and then you, I can be corrected. Yeah. Uh, it, it takes place on a, on a on a giant board with some 30 to 35. Uh, I didn't do an exact count. Uh, Star Wars themed, you know, recognizable planets, Corellia and Mon Calamari and, you know, Dantooine and all these. Um, and essentially what you're doing is you're deploying both troops and characters onto this board to take a multitude of actions. And I think one of the things you said that really is, um, is not – self-evident right away but is very much at the heart of this is this asynchronous side of things like the empire is very much trying to deploy a mass of just just army across the galaxy to track down find and destroy the hidden rebel base um while the rebels aren't nearly as sort of militarily powerful um but are much more dependent on trying to sort of win the hearts and mind and sort of distract and throw off and use sort of these layers of subterfuge and and uh um, uh, uh you know other just sort of uh, guerrilla tactics uh to to essentially run down
1: the clock you know yeah, wait, just, just survive yeah and that, exactly i love that about this and i also hate it but I, it's such a fascinating thing that all the rebels have to do to win is hide long enough like prove that they can thematically i love that all they have to do is prove you can defy the empire for any length of time and then they win
0: yeah, and the way this is this is done is on the side of the board, there's a turn tracker, and I think it goes up to 16. But the rebels put a token on the turn 14 marker, and sort of by default, that's where the game will end. Like, if the re- Empire, if the Rebellion has not been, ex- been extinguished by turn 14, uh, the Empire's going to lose. Now, there are events and certain cards that can... Speed up the clock, and I didn't see any ways the clock can be added to, but I I assume it can. I assume the Empire has some ways to to push it back. Uh, But largely what happens is the Rebels draw uh, objective cards, and a lot of times the reward for those cards is to uh, speed up the clock. A little bit so as the as the rebellion just begins to accomplish even marginal gains right like I think there's one there, mm-hmm. there's one event card that uh, I stupidly shuffled to the bottom of the uh, deck because I didn't think I'd be able to do it uh, and then like two turns later I did there's one event card that's like <laughs> hey just go destroy a star destroyer if you do yeah, that just blow up one yeah just just show you can destroy one of these damn ships uh, and at the time I didn't think I could but if you do that uh you, you it counts down by a turn and the empire is that much under the gun however the empire all they really need to do is find the secret rebel base and that's it that's all you got to do
2: put
1: a, take put
0: your gigantic
2: it. take your gigantic massive army that you're constantly adding just copious troops to and just land on the planet how hard could it be there's only like 30 35 of them it doesn't seem like that big a galaxy. Like, you you
0: it's,
1: look at it, it's it's terrifying. Oh, it's, it is so big, though. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it really it is. It is a deep and wide ocean. And literally, it's two multifold chipboards. It's actually, like, two and a half or three feet long. It's gigantic.
0: Yeah. It, no, yeah. it takes up the entire uh, dining table. And, yeah, like, in, in classic Fantasy Flight uh, fashion... Rapidly realize like this is why geek chic tables exist. You're 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 just sort of crowding game pieces like like on the chair next to you that that kind of thing. Uh, But I think what I admire about this game is that it absolutely commits to Mm -hmm. asymmetry, uh, which is like so in the in Star Wars Rebellion, uh, the PC game. It actually doesn't take all that long before the rebels can start mounting a pretty traditional military resistance. And I think this is what you see in a lot of games that are ostensibly about, like, rebel movements or guerrilla wars.
1: Yeah, counterinsurgency of any kind.
0: Yeah, and, like, the exception is obviously, like, the the coin games uh, from from Volker Runke. Uh, But in a lot of these cases, the asymmetry is just, it takes much longer for the... uh, for the rebel side to sort of spin up to full power and start getting uh, the, t- the capability to go toe-to-toe uh, with the heavies. And that's kind of the game I thought I was playing because the rebels have a bunch of troops, a bunch of ships. You're, you're pulling stuff out of the, uh, the box. And it looks like the rebels are meant to fight a war. Maybe not as, maybe not as much of a war as the Empire, but it looks like there's, there's some comparability. Uh, but boy, there really isn't. Mm-mm. This is at least in at least in the game we played, um, the Empire has this ability to just endlessly churn out troops, and anywhere the the rebellion pops up long enough to begin to like harvest resources and uh, build units, the Empire can immediately just go swamp them, uh, like v- almost instantaneously, and so it felt like at no point did I really feel like i could ever mount an effective like conventional military campaign that was just not this game the some of the the hardware was there for the rebels but really the mismatch is completely overwhelming uh the empire is not going to get militarily defeated here so you've got to change what your objectives are and the way you play and this is where i sort of struggled uh with this game at first because i really felt Maybe I I, I still was. Like, I I still need to go back and play a few more games of this. I really felt when when we were playing, Sean, Mm -hmm. that I was utterly
2: and completely hosed. I was, for 10 turns of this game, I was 100% sure I was going to win. Um, and and, and, you know and thinking about it I've been thinking about it for a few days now and I think one of the beautiful like one of the just the beautiful layer that kind of balances it all out has nothing to do with the military might it actually has to do with the movement mechanic of this game Uh which is um, you take a, a, a leader on a turn and if you're not deploying on a mission or something else you plop him down in a system and he becomes like a vacuum for every other connected system he just sort of sucks troops in you can only move by that way. Like if I, you know, place it here and then I have troops on this connected system, this connected system, as long as they have a way to transport themselves, um, they can get to that system. Now they cannot again, leave that system that turn. So it's almost like, it's like he becomes a magnet for that turn. You move them and he, they, they are then stuck there. Now they might do like, I might do that to come after you. You've, you know, set up a bunch of these guys over here is the rebels i drop my guy down i'm like i'm going to bring three systems worth of star destroyers and super star destroyers and tie fighters and all this atats atsts and destroy you but now they're kind of stuck there yeah. and they're kind of only able to move one turn and we're talking about a game that for the most part is never going to go beyond 14 or 15 turns so effectively if you have a force on one side of the board Unless you start very early on, they will never reach the other side of the board. So yeah. you may have this sprawling, massive army, but by halfway into the game, as you increasingly narrow down the scope of the galaxy and where you're trying to get to, the mechanics of the movement, in every turn, negate an increasing number of the value of your troops as a expeditionary force. And that was a thing I learned a little too late in our game. <laughs> But not too late. Like it came down to the wire, still. Uh, but that 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 to me, in some ways, is the most effective sort of demonstration of just sort of the massive operational mess of a galactic-spanning, yeah. you know, empire.
0: Yeah, and the, the one other element uh, to to finish sort of setting the stage here, that's in play, is that with each turn. Uh, the Empire is sort of draining the swamp, as it were. Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. wh- while that phrase has become a little loaded, uh, basically like they, like literally, the Empire is steadily burning down the forest to, to find yeah. you. Uh, and the way they do this is every turn uh, they draw probe cards and reveal two planets where the Rebel base is not. And the Rebel player has a card tucked under uh, their side of the, the table that Shows where their where their hidden bases, and so with every turn, like the number of possibilities for where this thing could be is diminishing. And as the and as the rebels, this is terrifying because you feel, at least I felt, so completely exposed. Like, yeah, like absolutely. There's nowhere you can go to get that far from the Empire. Not really. Like the Empire can kind of get anywhere in a few turns, and. Every turn, it just feels like, how is he not going to figure this out? He's going to, like, he's, he's about to figure this out. He's got to know. He's, he's going to know. Every time they do do that draw and you're watching your opponent, like, you know, the eyebrows go up like, oh, okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know that, you know, the, the game of whack-a-mole is, st- like, steadily getting whittled down. And I think this is what surprised me is that that board just didn't look as big as it actually is. Like, to me at first, right. pla- as the Rebels, I'm like, there's just not that many planets. I'm like, this is, this is I am utterly screwed. Like, <laughs> like literally, like, in five or six turns, there's going to be a handful of viable options, and then I'm dead. It turns out, though, that's not actually how, how it works, uh, because there's, it, it, there are more planets out there than it looks like. That movement mechanic makes it much, much harder to actually search uh, than you'd think. And... There's another thing in play, which is that if you don't actually use the rebel base that much, it's Mm -hmm. very hard to find. Like, the rebels can do hidden movement stuff out of their base. So they can, like, deploy a character to a region that will then summon troops for the hidden base. But you do that once, and immediately the Empire knows that somewhere adjacent to where that action took place, uh, there's the rebel base. And that immediately sort of like narrows the search pretty drastically, uh, so it, you know in part, what ended up happening in my game was I actually fought a very bad uh rebellion at first. Um, in in some ways it, like in some ways, our game of rebellion sort of followed uh the war for American independence, where at first, I actually like start fighting a pretty conventional resistance. I'm like, mm-hmm. i'm going to go toe to toe with you. Uh, in some stand up battles. I've got my corner of the galaxy. I've got a decent sized fleet there. I'm building up infrastructure. I am. Uh, I think I can sort of mount a resistance here and sort of fight from this corner. And then. I just got bull rushed. Like, literally, <laughs> Super Star Destroyer and a Death Star, yeah. both sort of like trundling <laughs> along toward me. The Death Star completely indestructible. Um except for some for for some special circumstances shenanigans. Yeah, mm-hmm. like basically as in the movies, you can't destroy the death star unless there's like a heroic event uh that involves destroying the death star. Otherwise, it's basically unkillable. Uh so I be, I I was like for a little bit there I really thought I'd be able to mount an effective resistance uh in the corner of the map holding this line of like two or three star systems. And hold the Empire at bay. And I got yep. utterly crushed. Just completely smoked. And that might have actually
2: saved my game. Yes, that is exactly what I was thinking. Really? <laughs> because, no, because but here, here's the thing that, that, that's interesting about it. Where you uh, fought your battle was not, as it turned out, anywhere near your rebel base. Actually, what as far did, as it could have been. Yes. And what I did was made sort of the classic blunder of a large force in this way, in that I said, okay, you're going to kind of stand up. And I brought so much over there. Like you mentioned, I brought the Death Star, and later I just blew up Dega, but just. I mean, I had a reason at the time, but mostly it was just to blow-up Um And, you know, I, I brought this kind of force over that way. And this was—and and we, you know, kind of, you know, set our battle lines. I came in from behind, kind of cut off your reinforcement route. And over really just two or three or maybe four turns, completely eliminated that threat. But that is four turns out of 14. And like I said— consolidating those forces into uh, that single place and kind of allowing the sort of, not not across the board, like I was still reaching out and spreading out and kind of checking out the north side of the board and all these other places, but the sort of flow, the ebb of it, the sort of the momentum of the game played away from your rebel base until that was done. And then it was like trying to pull the tide back um, with what was at that time, you know, Five, you know, seven or eight turns to go, but of course you have those cards that you can just start all of a sudden, you know, running up some momentum at running out the clock. And it
0: begins to snowball for the Rebels. Like, once you, like, the Rebels hold on long enough, they start getting more objective cards in their hand. They're going to be able to meet more of these preconditions. It's just inevitable. So, really, like, you think you have 14 turns. Actually, you probably only have 11,
1: 12. Maybe Mm -hmm. less, but it's, it's deceptive. And it's that less that like that maybe what, what objective has the rebel player drawn? Where are they on the board? You know, where's the secret base? All of that, that really builds up the tension for the Imperial player. I think that is one of the places where the genius of this game is. Um, The very first time I played this, I got completely crushed as the rebels, um, I think in like seven or eight turns I was out of the game um, because I tried to do what you did, Rob. I was like, yeah, I've got a big fleet. I can totally fight the Empire. And the truth is you can never fight the Empire. You, there's yeah. not a way to win any kind of real conflict against them. Um, but it's really fun to try in certain circumstances, <laughs> right? Like, If you can pull it off right you make the Empire think you're fighting them because you're defending the base. Yes. And then the truth is, the base is across the galaxy in some shit-ass corner. And I think... They never find it.
0: And there was a bit of, I think, that psych-out as well, uh, working against Sean, where, like, where I was putting up the most resistance was completely 180 degrees away from where the Rebel base was, where everything, like, basically, everyone was just cooling their heels in the Rebel base doing nothing. Uh, but it sure looked like I was fighting like hell to keep him out of the cor- this corner of the Outer Rim. And w- r- what was really happening was that it wasn't even a planned deception. It's just, that's where my whole fleet was. I had no choice but to try to like like make something happen there uh, while the entire Imperial fleet like ran down my throat. And at the time, I was utterly convinced I was losing because once those units were destroyed, once those planets fell, I didn't see how to get back into the game. Uh, effectively, Like, I could never recapture the sort of economic base uh, that I need right. to, to build ships. Um, and so it really felt like it was, it was a complete uh, game-over situation. And to an extent, I guess I'm still puzzled as to how it ended up working out in my favor because there's still plenty of game left to play when that wrapped up. And I had nothing. And yet somehow
2: it started to turn against Sean. Right. Almost like just on its own, it felt like. Like I, I, I look back and I mean obviously I wish I hadn't taken quite so many troops that way. Like there there's things that you can kinda have the twenty twenty vision on and say, Oh, that choice that was reasonable at the time turned out to be the wrong one. But there was no obvious like, oh, I'm an idiot and I just didn't explore the border. Oh, I didn't, you know, it, there was, there was no obvious sort of turning point where I'm like, ah, uh, that's the clear moment where I lost. And And in fact, I think there are two other things that really ultimately make the, the rebel cause a little more interesting. One is that, I did figure out where you were, and I did have enough time on the clock, and I didn't have my massive fleet over there, but I had a fleet over there. And that was when I think you discovered the real strength of the Rebel Alliance and deploying your characters and stuff like that was not actually in... Getting victories, it was in slowing me down, in making me take a, an inopportune route because, you know, I'd either have to deploy a, you know, a, 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 a character to a place that sucked everybody in. But now I couldn't get anybody back out or you just kind of cleared off enough, you know, where it just it just you began to make it real difficult to make that progression and like I had the forces I had the troops I beat you every time you kind of came on to the you know kind of stepped in but you weren't fighting a winning war I'm not trying to take your planet I'm just trying to make you not be able to get here fast enough and then of course you have a card in your back pocket that says poof I disappear and that yes that's the big one so this is
0: so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things here and I almost left it Late, but maybe I didn't. I don't know. So the rebels can at any point pull a hoth and evacuate the rebel base. It can be done. However, it doesn't set the ca- the clock back to zero. Like the rebels can't just then like Kaiser Soze into the galaxy and basically the Imperials have to start their search over again. Like the places that have still been cleared are still cleared. The rebels can't then like backfill and, and hide. Uh, in those areas so the rebels can only reestablish their base on a planet that hasn't been like probed basically right right and so if you do it early in the game you might be a, you, there's there's much more of a forest for you to hide in if you do it late in the game it's sort of this double-edged thing right we're like well now you've revealed your original location basically but uh, you can only be in one of these other places and there's not many left. Right. Uh, so it really becomes a guessing game as to both what is, what is hard for the Imperial player to check and what is unlikely that they will check. Um, and that's, that was a big part of it. I think something else that changes the game is there are certain things that can happen for the Rebels that start to... Uh, bring them back to life. Like, they can... Once... They they can basically bring the Mon Calamari onto their side. And instantly they have a hard-to-reach base that churns out capital ships uh, that are the equal of Star Destroyers. Never enough of them. Uh, It's not going to turn the game around. But the Rebels kind of overnight start developing at least a somewhat credible uh, force... And then there's just like, um, cards that can cause bad shit to happen in Imperial held territory. Uh, one that came in real handy for me was um, a rebellion on the Wookiee planet of Kashyyyk.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and... remember that one.
0: Great card. <laughs> yeah, Big and then it really trashed. Uh, it really trashed the Imperials because two things happened with that with that battle. Uh, one, it fulfilled an objective. Uh, Because the uprising Mm -hmm. was, like, so brutal that, like, all the Imperial ground forces were slaughtered. And it did enough damage, material damage, to cause the counter to slide uh, down by one. Uh, So it became, like, a, you know, 12-turn game by that point. The other thing is that there is a hearts and minds uh, aspect of this. And it's really hard for the Empire to win the hearts... Uh, of a lot of these planets but then they can always deploy troops to subjugate these planets but then they always have to maintain a presence there. Yeah. Right. Right. And there are still a lot of cards that help the Rebellion fulfill objectives if they just have the sympathies of the galaxy. They don't necessarily need to have control over a territory. All that matters is that if that planet were free to choose, its allegiance would be with the Rebellion. And there's a lot of cards that sort of take that into account. Whether or not the Rebels hold the planet, it still matters that they hold its heart, basically. And that kind of changes thing, things up as well because it can look like the Empire's running the table. Like I, I think Sean's position looked really, really strong almost t- toward the end of the game, but for the things that matter to the Rebels, there's actually a lot of Rebel strength that can be literally
2: sort of hiding under uh, Imperial control. Yeah, I, and, and and it's interesting because I, I think that ultimately that that idea of... Your job as the empire is to find the rebel base, and that means you have to spread out dramatically and into, you know, to do that effectively. And so you may like that run the table is absolutely fine, but if you pick any one sort of element outside of sort of the central imperial strongholds, you begin to discover that, yeah, okay, you've got, you know, five planets here that you're on across this, you know, region. But you've had to thin it out so much that there's only, you know, even though that you're deploying nine stormtroopers next turn, you've got 15 planets to hold. So there's going to be places that don't get reinforced and there's going to be these sort of nuggets where if the rebels can do like a Kashik or, you know, kind of yeah. bring in this sort of strike force, it yeah. is a, both a delaying tactic and it sort of is undermining that. Like, fine, I know the rebel base isn't on Kashik anymore, but if the rebels take it, now all of a sudden I can't use that to get through or I have to clear it back out and that takes resources and time and distracts people from other more important efforts and then
0: the rebels can do like these commando raids Uh, the the rebels have a lot of things that allow them to break the uh, movement rules of the game Han Solo can show up just about anywhere with a ground strike force and clear a planet out doesn't even have to pay attention to whether or not like with every other planetary assault you need to fight the space battle first and then the ground assault but Han could just show up with commandos and take the planet. And there was a point, like late in the game, where I don't think I, I don't think I controlled the skies like above a single world, except like Mon Calamari. Mm-hmm. Right. but I controlled the ground of like four or five planets, and you start getting these weird mismatches where, like, the empire is still kind of in control, but now it's like. Now it's kind of not, and it has to go like retake old ground, um, and that was that was that got kind of interesting too. As as well as there's there's a a hidden there's a hidden fleet card that allows you to make the rebel forces hidden in the rebel base show up anywhere uh, without yeah. revealing uh, any sort of adjacency. And so I was abusing that like hell uh, to basically like launch uh, like long distance strikes and then you know vanish. Uh, which, was, which was another thing that, that gave me some real freedom. And I think what I started to realize toward the very end of the game is that it wasn't just that I could slow you down. It's that Rebel Fleets can still... Account- like you can, you sort of pick what you're targeting in a lot of these battles, like you don't you, like you, you don't necessarily have to win a lot of these battles. you can just destroy the things you want to destroy and what I started focusing on was uh, Sean's transport capability. I started launching strikes out of Mont calamari uh and and out of the rebel base, basically to start wiping out uh I think I took out a Star Destroyer uh, that was Mm -hmm. positioned very close to my Rebel base. Uh, It was the only transport near it. Uh, So once that thing was gone, uh, he couldn't search in that area for a little while. And then there were a bunch of ground forces on some of those planets that you'd retaken. And I would just show up and destroy uh, the Imperial Shuttles, basically, the transports. And now they were stuck there. Until other forces could come and pick them up, and so really quickly, like a search that you know you would have been able to do in like a turn or two, uh, suddenly it was like three or four turns it would take for you to get that done. And yeah. that I think is kind of the point of the rebel
1: fleet. It is, and I think that what you're saying gets at the heart of what the best part of this game is. The like the I think the the sort of shuffling miniatures around on a board area control war game of this is pretty bog standard right yeah Mm -hmm. some personal issues with like the combat event uh, resolution aside um it's the leader placement it's that you have a you've got this pool of characters and resolving events resolving combats is all about saying okay I'm going to put my leader here, right? And I'm going to sort of vacuum in. I'm going to move in these units from around this area. And then my opponent is going to have to make the decision to oppose me with a leader or not. And if they decide to oppose me, they I mean, they're committing one of their moves for this turn, one of their proactive actions in order to oppose whatever I want to do. Um, and so the Imperial player is always second-guessing, saying, okay, well, the Rebel player is attacking me there. Is that a distraction? Or is that an is that a like are they desperately trying to defend their stuff? Um, And that that sneakiness, that layer um, of sort of placing leaders and outguessing and outbluffing your opponent is where the magic starts to really happen. Those moves where like I'm sure Rob, you placed that fleet and you were like, yeah, I'm gonna blow up the star destroyer, and Sean was probably like, "Uh, okay, whatever, it's it's doesn't probably doesn't matter very much right he may not have committed a lot to that fight but if he had you would have been in a bad way
2: yeah <laughs> it's you know i, I cuz from the from the empire point of view every you know it's not like i think that's part of the point is it's not that hard to interfere with the rebel plans it's not that hard to 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 thwart them in the moment but because so much rests on the characters as both a source of uh, blocking, as a source of mission, and as a source of movement, You have to be, you know, you have to be really mindful of what you're doing. Like every time I send Darth Vader to go block Mon Mothma on this edge system that doesn't that I already know from a probe card isn't where the rebel base is, I'm making the decision. Well, I'm going to not be able to move. I'm going to have to choose to move less this turn because instead of using Darth Vader as a movement or as an attack, I'm going to send him over here. And so all of a sudden, you know, as you get later in the game and you're sitting there thinking, "Is the Empire well?" God, I have to save these to be able to get my gigantic fleet around, the rebel leaders don't have that problem. They don't have to worry so much about, I have lots of moves to make. They are like, I have these two very, very strategic, important moves to make, and I'm going to use the rest of my leaders to set that up. And so I think the the sort of— the. I I you know you were asking Rob like what's the thing that changes over time for you know making that sort of rebel steamroll and I think it is that your leaders become more valuable as engagement figures and yeah. deception figures and being able to deploy them more sort of naturally while my leaders become much more locked down as just movement tokens Yeah the the
0: the sort of bluffing game that happens uh, with the leaders is—it's—it's it's so interesting because it, at, at no point, even though even though you're getting more and more options to to play every turn, because you basically keep getting new hero cards, new new hero characters. Man, it's just the number of things you you would like them to be able to do, right? Like mm-hmm. that that yes, that that decision of like. Do I hold Vader back to go use his combat stats to block something or do I have him like lead this assault somewhere? That is, and then I'm like me trying to get Vader to come out before I do the thing I really want <laughs> yeah. uh, to actually happen. I love that part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, and, and then when you get it wrong, like uh, I there's this really depressing uh, saga of me trying to execute an act of sabotage. <laughs> uh versus the empire uh oh, so, so sad let's let's talk like let's go into the, let's let's take a brief discursus into uh
1: why dice hate me so sabotage right this is the, one of the basic rebel cards and it's the one that if i remember right prevents the imperial player from building yeah in the system yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's basically, yeah, salt
0: salt the earth stuff like in general sabotage can't be removed like, once a planet like, there's, there's a few things that make it possible but, like, in general once something's sabotaged, it's kind of, it's kind of blocked. No um, one's using it anymore. Yeah. And there is a stack of sabotage markers uh, that suggests that the rebels should be doing this a lot and there's a lot of rebel uh, cards that, there, there's, there's a lot of, like, rebel objectives that also involve uh, sabotage and executing acts of sabotage I started trying to execute sabotage in, like, turn one. And I just couldn't do it. Like, no matter who I sent out, like, they could not actually execute any, any, any sabotage. And whenever it looked like I might, like, I'd send the right character out to go do that, uh, Vader would show up or something and just, like, shut the entire thing down. And, and the act would, would fail. And then I think the one time I did... Managed to. I kept trying to sabotage mm-hmm. Corellia yeah. because it's a really valuable yep. shipyard planet. The one time I finally managed to sabotage it, and I'm like, well, finally, I'm going shut to that, shut that spigot off. That's when the Imperial card, that's, that's when Sean played the card that basically is like, you fixed the Rebel sabotage. And <laughs> just, and took it right off the happen, board. Have
2: it that t- yeah, that particular That's card brutal. is like an option card. It's one of these cards where you can either do like an Imperial research, or if there's sabotage there, you can get rid of that. So I had him set aside. I'm like, I should do some research this turn. Sabotage. I'm like, nah, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna mix this one up a little bit. And you were you were so sad. You were so angry. And that That's was in the thick of it too. That was like that was like turn seven. That was like right before the shift where it became clear this was actually still a game where i i literally think you thought "Mm, i think i'm just going to flip this table over now i was real close to quitting out uh because (laughs) like literally the things i could
0: do the dice were basically like consistently going against me and i didn't see any way back into the game and i yeah i have a hard time pointing to the moment it like started to become real uh it just like there was just a moment I think where we both sort of looked over at the the turn counter and we're both like oh we're actually coming down it, like it's like the fourth quarter now you know mm-hmm. it's it's, yeah. it's, right. it, it's it's even even though it still felt totally lopsided it was like oh I don't the rebels don't have to hold on all that much longer uh, and then. And then they're pretty screwed. I think I would be really interested to see... Well, if you'd, if you'd distributed your forces a little more evenly. But then if the Imperials spread out, they're easier to pick off. Right. Yeah. Um, but, it, oh, but,
1: but it's so much harder to hide, right? Yeah. If the Imperials spread out, it gets harder and harder to hide. They get a better and better idea of which plan... Between the probe deck and... Spreading throughout the galaxy. They get a better and better idea of definitely where you're not. Um, and I think I, I have to say, I think the strongest Imperial strategy is just ignore what the rebels are doing unless they play some truly dastardly mission and sw- just spread, right? Get everywhere you mm-hmm. can um, because you're going to, you're going to make the rebels run out of places to hide because if the rebels are like, Oh crap, he's getting close to my base. I'm going to relocate my base. They'll then draw a bunch of cards from that, that probe deck and they'll look at them, and there will be Imperial units on all of them. And they'll be like, oh, well, I guess we're not going anywhere this turn. And yeah. that means they've wasted an action trying to to get away from you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think the probe deck is such an—I mean, and in every review and sort of, you know, conversation I've heard, you know, just— gives such credit to the probe deck is sort of this somehow the weird central mechanic here. And yet I think that's that's right because I think what's so important about it is that it, it's 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 such a mind game. You know, as the Empire, you know, Imperial player, I'm just pulling and I'm looking at cards and that's helping me sort of make some decisions. But there were still some really great aha moments, particularly toward later in the game, where I pulled a card and it was just sort of chills up the back of my spine as I realized, you know, that literally pulling one of those cards told me where the base was just because I'd narrowed it down. Um, but I think... On the other side, I would love to play the Rebels because I think there's so much more of a mind game to it and sort of, a, you know, overcoming the stress of not knowing what the Imperial player knows about you. You know, what does that say if, you know, you're kind of leading them away and all of a sudden that fleet that was pursuing you just changes course? Like that's you know after they pulled that probe card you're like oh no did they know did you know and that's that's actually really the fun part about this game because i think that distinction between um what is ultimately like we're saying like there's a reason we haven't talked about how combat resolves yet it's just not that interesting it's fine it works it's it's okay um and there's a reason we're not talking about you know so much of the you know what the 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 kind of core mechanics because it is um, pretty straightforward in the end for as big as that rule book is and as big as the box and how many things there are in the, in inside um, you're ultimately like, Oh, it's just this and this there's basically sort of three or four things and it's pretty straightforward. And I know how all that works, Um, but it is the mind game. It is the overcoming the, either the stress of, you know, being pursued, there's it seemed like there was that real sense of actually being pursued and actually living on the edge and somehow running out the clock as this you know guerrilla force. And then there, on the other side, there is that sense of a dawning horror as you've spent. Rounds feeling absolutely impenetrable, like indestructible. You have the sense as the Imperial player of there's no way I can't win this. I am the Empire. I am, I am galactic. I am in, you know, and, and that, you know, and slowly the clock ticks and you you're tracking it down and you know, at some point with four or five turns left, you're like, but what cards does he have? What, how can he run this down? Wait, is, am I actually exposed? There's that moment of standing there in the death star and you know, we found a flaw and it's like, Oh, it's fine. We're fine. There's no way.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That you definitely have the end of a new hope moment as the empire where, uh it's tarkin moff tarkin he's standing on the edge yep. of the death star and someone says to him should i prepare your shuttle and he's like why would i evacuate at our moment of triumph and then they all yes. die <laughs> and win or lose is the empire i almost guarantee you'll have that moment once right mm-hmm. unless unless it's a complete slaughter um you will be surprised and blown away by something that comes out of the deck of cards, which is really great. I I like that there's enough variety in here that even if you sit down and read every single card, which I actually wouldn't recommend you do before playing, even if you sit down and read the cards, you'll get surprised by some combination of events. And that's so cool. Uh, The the best moments tend to, I think, come around uh, the Death Star, right? Like you think the death star is literally invincible it doesn't have a hit point right. value i don't i don't know if we've said that um it can only be destroyed by i think one maybe two cards that say like death star plans yeah. right and you have mm-hmm. to have them and you have to have a fighter that has managed to survive combat and you have to roll some dice and get a pretty lucky shot right It your chances are not good but yeah. if you manage to blow it up that's a serious blow <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's definitely something that you bring it out there, and it's there's a lot of value in
1: Death Star being destroyed. Um,
0: yeah, I, I think th- like, like
1: almost everything else in the game is uh, the Imperial player loses two turns of time, or loses one, one turn, turn of time. Yeah. But I think blowing up the Death Star is two turns, and maybe like killing Darth Vader, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's funny because I, you know, looking back, it, it, I, I I totally agree with that sense of how many different combinations can happen. Because I think as we finished our game, Rob, the first thing we thought about is all the different permutations that yeah. could have occurred and the different ways. Like the, in our game, I, you know, I I use the Death Star. But it actually became less and less effective as the game sort of went on because I had it in the wrong place, right? I had it over on the side. You know, I you, you set up your your big kind of last stand and I'm like, well, that sounds like a Death Star job. And so I sent it over there and all of a sudden it can't get to where it needs to be. It can't blow up the Rebel base. So it actually, like, I I can see the opposite situation as well. But in our game, it was like, um, this super powerful force that did the job I sent it to do,
1: but guess what? That job didn't actually forward our goals. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you can use so many of your forces. You can waste so much of your potential as the Imperials. Definitely. Without, without even realizing that you've done it, right?
2: In, in, entirely thinking that you're using them to the best possible Job they could be in the moment, right? Because it it does it mimics that that sort of that arrogance of the empire. It pushed you, you know, if not in the mindset, and it certainly did me. Um, it's it, it sort of the, it just sort of naturally plays out like that. That's the interesting thing to me about this game is how it is this again purely standard mechanics game but it has all the underlying somehow the emotion of what you would expect to feel either as the empire or as the rebels is infused in the way it's balanced and i think that goes back to the first thing you said rob which was it's so asynchronous and i think that's such a cool point yeah the uh the,
0: the 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 mismatch between what the sides are doing, and I, I am curious how much like it changes once both pl- both players are not just aware of how the game works, but also like what cards are going to come into play for for both sides, right? Because like so much of my late game surge was actually thanks to a bunch of cards that allowed me to do things that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I didn't have the forces, didn't have the capacity. Um, once the once the imperial player is aware that that can happen, because this is what I love about sort of our naive playthrough, we're talking about that arrogance of of power, that that sort of belief that well, you just go where the rebels are, you shoot them, and then you look for their base, and you know, <laughs> job done. But like ultimately, you go, you you wait for them to pop up somewhere, and you, you 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 smack them down, and eventually they'll run out of rebels, they'll run out of places to hide, and. You think that's the game you're playing, and at first it sort of proceeds along those lines, and then suddenly there's cards that are allowing the rebels to not just pop up unexpectedly, but like show up in force in places they're not supposed to be, and suddenly the battlefield is starting to look a little different than than you thought because like you didn't know that Kashyyyk could just suddenly like explode basically and turn into a giant planet-wide prison riot. That wasn't that mm. wasn't uh, you know on, on your radar, but it immediately wiped out uh, you know a, a key crossroads uh, in the galaxy, and forced you know sort of a effort to reconquer it. Um, yeah, it's I I do I do kind of worry that uh, you know what you pointed out, John, that the game, how differently the game plays when the Imperial players views it as a spread out and search game right like
1: it, it plays very differently yeah um, but does it, but does the
0: game begin to crumble
1: i don't think it does no that's that's definitely not what if yeah. if any of the mechanics or situations or tactics break the game that's not one yeah the the only thing in my experience that can really break this game is you get some bad luck with a uh, battle resolution or, or the yeah. dice um that can happen uh the resolution mechanic is a little more complicated than it needs to be. You've got like a yeah. a dice rolling bit, and then also you get some cards that don't add much interesting. To, it doesn't uh, don't don't add much interesting to the battle itself, um, but can suddenly sort of flip the tide on someone who thinks they're doing well or what have you. Um, my experience is that the thing that manages to break the game is if the imperial player sort of gets lucky with what um, abilities and missions they get early in the game um and managed to take away and capture some of the rebel leaders which is an innate ability they have mm-hmm. did you all have that experience mm-hmm. oh e- oh
2: did we <laughs> <laughs> where do you think rob's on we started poor uh, mon mothma i Turn see mon mothma is uh just and she was mine for what like four ter- i almost turned her to the dark side <laughs> oh <Yeah>. wow
0: Death <laughs> took a uh pretty emergency intervention i think by uh I'm not sure. I think I threw two characters into yeah, trying yeah, to keep her and on side. somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so she was trapped that, yeah. with your main fleet. Uh, with that, with that giant on super Nubu. fleet. Yep, on Naboo. On Naboo. Uh, and I eventually rescued her with with Obi Wan. And got yes. her back into the game and was able to go back to uh sort of recruiting planets and uh starting to seed the galaxy with, with the uh with the with the rebellion. However, I will also say an interesting late game twist came where Sean tried to repeat the trick. Mm-hmm. Uh I had committed to an assault and it went off without a hitch, destroyed all your transports in the system. Uh, basically grounded, like it must have been like fifteen stormtroopers uh, and yeah, walkers just stuck on that planet now, and then Boba Fett shows up, and uh, and, and I think leading the assault was uh, was Obi Wan. Was Obi Wan? Uh, yeah. And so Boba Fett shows up and does the capture action, and it succeeds, and that's when I play. The special every character has special uh, one-off like abilities associated with it. One of Obi Wan's is uh, instead of being captured, Obi Wan can just die and <laughs> <Yeah>. advance <laughs> yes, the Rebel turn track by one. And this happened at a critical like this was the game basically like yeah, there were a lot was. there's a lot of decisions that that led up to this moment. But like I think that is where the game flipped from being close to being basically mathematically impossible for you
2: to win. It was close. I, I, cause, okay, let's so let's go ahead. The the game came down to this. You had you had deployed on Dantooine, which I thematically realized far too late that you were you were yeah. you were pulling a reverse Princess Leia on it was, me. It was it was so um, good. The Rebel base actually was on Dantooine that's for the entire satisfying. game.
0: Just just was, like three spaces over from uh three or four spaces over from Coruscant.
2: Yeah, it, I was horrified, uh, but, and and it was that was close to that turn. Like that that army you took or kind of stranded was two moves away from Dantooine. On the way there, I still managed to get another area over that. You know, toward I would have gotten to you in time. You moved to Bespin. Bespin, yeah, um, and I still would have gotten to you in time. There was just enough time I had because at that point I had taken so many cards. There were so many probe cards out of the deck. I had so many fleets spread across the galaxy that when you put your, you know, your your fleet in or your new base down, I knew it had to be in one of two locations. And I had fleets close to both of those locations. But you had one final objective card. Like the turn, I was at the end of my turn. There was one turn to go and I played the card that, that lets you see the uh, the other player's objective right. cards and I pulled it and so I saw that you had a card that said, if you have ground troops on four planets, then you turn it down, you, you get one move down the counter and that was it. It was like, and I just handed it back, I'm like, oh, Game over. Good job, and that was that was the beauty of it. Is it was still even despite kind of the back and forth, even despite you know things going really well in my favor, and all of a sudden you're moving all over, and I can't catch you. It was still down to the final turn and the final decision of whether you had. In fact, Obi Wan, like if Obi Wan yeah. had not landed there, if he had not taken that out, then there wouldn't have been enough. Then I would have been able to move, and
1: there you would have could, been You could have searched just planets. about every planet. Yeah.
0: If Obi-Wan hadn't done that, you could have hit every
1: remaining planet. It was a beautiful game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think that that is emblematic of what this game has, uh, which is one of the elements that every strong modern board game has, which is it is a game where neither player knows exactly which turn the game will end on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you never are entirely sure that your strategy is going to go off without a hitch and the game will be over. And that dynamic uh, turn marker, that dynamic end of game marker, the rebel reputation is so useful uh, as a game design conceit. And it comes up in so many interesting cards, um, especially like that, that special Obi-Wan card. I've never seen that. I I didn't know that was a thing. That's really fucking cool, though.
2: (laughs) It is. It's awful or... (laughs) Too
0: if you're the Empire, yeah, yeah. I didn't think that was gonna, because I didn't think you were gonna do that. I didn't think Boba Fett was gonna come out and like capture him, but then I looked down, like, oh my god, he captured Obi Wan, he captured Obi Wan. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yeah, it was great. Um, I do think so. I just really wish combat was a little more engaging, it's both too straightforward and too fussy. Uh, yeah, is and I kind don't know how to
1: managed to do that, but uh, there it is.
0: Well, I kind of feel like, sometimes it feels like Fantasy Flight has such unlimited fabrication capacity that there's no problem they don't feel they can't, that, that they do not feel uh, would best be solved by throwing more bespoke dice at it. Sure. Like, every yeah. Fantasy Flight game is like, screw it, we'll just create a separate category of dice for that, too. And it'll have its own different icons on it. Uh, this is, And this is kind of what, what this game does. There's different damage classes, which affects how many dice you roll. Except most dice doesn't matter. You just grab, any, like, most rolls, you just grab any sort of grab bag of dice, but then combat follows these other rules. Um, every character has the capacity to wear, like, these little rings around the, the base that have these special one-off powers that are not as interesting as you might expect. Like, there's these big stands for these characters. Like, oh, like, Leia's got R2-D2 with her. R2-D2 doesn't do shit. Like, I'm sure he does. I'm sure, like, in some (laughs) games somewhere, he does something interesting. But literally, I read that card...
1: R2 play, right? (laughs) I read that card, like,
0: 12 times and could not bring myself to care about R2's ability. It was like, if she (laughs) happens to be there with R2 and some bullshit happens in that system, then R2 can marginally affect the outcome, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good work, R2. Okay,
1: cool. I guess <laughs> Yeah.
0: Like, there's, there's just a lot of elements of... There, there's a lot of, like uh fantasy flightedness to this game uh but but i really think where it drags the most is just is just the ship to ship combat uh where Mm. and it might also be a function of the fact that the game is so asymmetric that pound for pound imperial units are also just far far better uh than than rebel units so it you you both have a really simple you have a cumbersome yet s- simplistic resolution system and then once you break go it, once you break down the math uh driving each of these encounters you realize the rebels oh you shouldn't have even you should not have even been there uh fighting this <laughs> battle because yeah. the empire has like just to give you an example of how stacked the empire is rebel transports don't shoot they're just those little mon calamari uh transports that you see uh, r- fleeing off in uh in empire strikes back the imperials have some sort of transport that first is not canon i don't know what the hell that thing it is. is
1: it's from star wars rebels it's from the current cartoon okay it's but that's like, that's like fake ass new canon okay well, <laughs> okay, well
2: <laughs> okay well here we go
0: like, all right <laughs> well i'm just saying it's something that it's something nobody had ever seen until like a couple of years like it, recently
1: that is a fair statement. It is t- true, but in this game, <laughs>
0: it's also a really damn good assault ship. Like basically, the, like everything the Empire has, d- not only shoots but shoots really, really well. Um, right. Even Rebel starfighters like aren't better, which is which is weird. Like the X wing is as weak as the
1: the Tie fighter. It's, like it's identical, which I dislike so much. Yeah, you expect yeah, to find I some. I think that's fair
0: some kind of thing that the rebels are actually good at but they're just not like even the rebel transport like the the the, the rebel transport completely unarmed the imperial transport basically like an Apache helicopter gunship like just it shows up and just like wreaks havoc Um, so I think that further like discourages you from even trying your luck except in these really rare uh, moments where you where you find some special opportunity like you never as the rebels you never get beyond that first stage of the rebellion where you're basically looking for special ambush opportunities and nothing else
1: i've seen some bigger battles happen um with like a rebel fleet going after something like a slightly isolated death star or a super star destroyer um i've had that really used against me um the, if the rebels manage to mass in one place especially if if the base is pretty secure, they'll mass a bunch of guys at the base and then suddenly jump to another system right an empty system and then go from there to go after a uh an imperial fleet um and I've seen some really cool big huge battles happen, but in the end they tend to have almost nothing to do with how the game is won,
2: yeah right, right, and I think that's what kind of is is sort of a turn off too is that you know, for there, one of the things that didn't feel exciting was that should feel exciting is those rolls of the dice. Like there's something about that's implied in those battles of, oh, this is really mean. Oh, I gotta roll this one or else you know X won't happen or Y won't happen. It doesn't right. always necessarily feel like that. So a lot of that intensity of the die roll is sort of sucked out of combat because it is. It's not perfunctory because that is too, that's too strong a word. But at the same time, it is sort of the execution we have to go through to either progress the broader plan, which has nothing to do with the combat or to find, you know, go to plan B. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And uh, a lot of the combat, like, you know, there's going to be like three rounds of it, too. Um, It has the same problem as like Twilight Imperium combat, um, where... You're just like, okay, yeah, we're going to roll a bunch of dice this round and the next round half of our shit's still going to be alive. So let's roll more dice. Mm -hmm. Um, You also have the thing where you're like, all right, let's let's get like let's pull the pile of miniatures off the space that they're actually in and put them somewhere that's not on the board so that we can actually organize them well enough to like I'm going to assign my hits to your Star Destroyers and things like that so that everyone remembers what's taken damage before they roll their dice back because everything gets, you know, everything gets to act in a combat no matter what. Um, it's an oddly, it's, it's maybe just like two steps too complicated or what have you. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's the one clunky thing, but the combat is just there to, <sighs> well, except for the parts where the Empire's just rolling you up like a carpet. Like there were, there were basically some battles I'm not even <laughs> sure we rolled resolution for because like I just looked at it, I was like, yeah, I'm not sure I can even destroy anything here. Uh, so let's oh, just, those let's are just call it
1: and they can happen yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but I think now once we both realize what the real role of combat is we'd probably have a less fighty game uh, because there's less value in just attacking the rebels just because they're, they're, they're hanging out somewhere and mm-hmm. as the rebels really unless you can sort of steal a win there's not much point in uh, deploying somewhere like the right. like, you know. For instance, I, I think I brought Wedge Antilles out and a bunch of Starfighters out of the Rebel base just once to pick off a Star Destroyer using Wedge's target the Star Destroyer's ability, which yes. <laughs> basically yep. turns all the X-Wings into like capital ship destroying monsters uh, for for one battle, um, which instantly changes the the landscape. Uh, you know, at, at a stroke, basically. Like, suddenly all these rebel starfighters show up, and they're, they're like, steadily putting damage onto uh, Imperial capital ships. And that's, and that's game uh, for, that, for that battle. But that's, that's a case where you want to fight that battle as the rebels, but that's a one-off. You know, you're not going to do that every right. turn. You're, you're going to do that once in a game, and you then you better right. go right
1: back to hiding. Right, yeah. Did you blow yeah. up any plans for the Death Star? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. yeah, in a fit of
2: pique. Okay. Well, no, no, no it gave me uh it gave me uh influence because uh it it was the card where you didn't destroy a planet and every other uh planet in the system gives you influence i didn't actually right. really need that influence very much, so maybe he's right it probably was just peak <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: i yeah, was uh, uh I, I that's that's another interesting thing if i recall so y- y- rebellion the board game sorry the board uh the the, the p c game if you actually use the Death Star to destroy things, uh, it's a net negative. Uh, It's very much a game that believes in Leia's threat to Tarkin. You know, the tighter you squeeze, the more uh, systems will slip through your grasp. Right. Uh, Star Wars Rebellion is much more uh, Kissingerian, I I suppose, much more (laughs) uh, real politique, where it's just like you destroy a planet and everyone nearby is like, oh my God, did you just see that? Long live the Emperor.
1: Yeah, and... It's actually cool because it's they do say that, but there's a there's a late game Rebel Objective card where it's like, yeah, now you're going to move the marker forward for each planet the Imperials have blown up. Um, mm-hmm. I love that oh, nice. using your, your best weapon as Imperials is a threat um, that can come back to haunt you for exactly that card's reason. I, I wonder how much this game, if you were to sit down and play it every week for two months or what have you, uh, would start to resemble Twilight Struggle, though. Yeah. Um, in its digital incarnation yeah. where you're like, okay, yeah, I know that eventually the Wookiees are going to rebel on Kashyyyk, so I'm only going to leave one unit there to keep it pacified yep. temporarily, right? Um, I, so many of the cards do that exact thing uh, where you need a specific planet or you use a specific planet to do stuff um, that I can't help but wonder if the Imperial player would start to watch for those specific cards and, yeah. and have their counter developed ahead of time. Right. It's, but I, I'm not sure like, that's
2: worse.
1: There's no finding Yoda and having Luke become a Jedi if the Imperial players are like, alright, guess what we're blowing the fuck up, Dagobah. <laughs>
0: Dagobah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was sitting there I was like, I guess, uh, I guess I'm never turning Luke into
2: a Jedi. Cool. <laughs> but at the same time i mean then 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 the imperial player begins to have that rebel experience a little bit too like then then, then it just becomes the paranoid emperor um which is right. which in its own way like i feel like this game can support i mean because ultimately then you have to go well i have to deploy my super weapon all the way to the side of the board over here and what if they're over here in Dantooine No, they'd never do that that's crazy that's a silly planet we're they'd never put a it base. It's, it's um, a silly place. <laughs> it's a silly place. But no, I mean I think that's that's the interesting thing that I would like to find after playing this many many more times is does that that then sort of ramp up this sort of sense of empire in in paranoia? Is it, you know, all of a sudden now I'm so spread out you like I Go the opposite direction. I spread too much out, and now I'm, you know, vulnerable at every turn to all these other things. I'm trying to. It, it, then, then it really does become the layout, right? The more I'm trying right. to play those against those cards, the more it is. I'm the you know, the sand running through the fingers,
1: and in, it's, terms, in, those in a cards way, may by they never get drawn. Yeah. yeah, in a
2: way, by being stupid, I was able to just be a kind of iron fisted emperor who had no idea the vulnerabilities that lay, you know, lay there. But then the other side, it does, I think, play into that sort of core more Star Wars mythos.
0: Yeah, I, I am surprised at how successfully uh the game evoked all these things. And ultimately, like it ended up being a far more interesting uh game than than I was expecting. Like I mm-hmm. like I was hoping for something that would just be like maybe a poor man's uh, version of like War of the Ring, Uh, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's definitely, it's definitely doing its own thing. Uh, And, and, and I very much, I I very much appreciated it while I might like, you know, complain a little bit about the combat, you know, the bottom line is it's one of those games that, you know, I think we, we spent hours talking about it the rest of that trip, uh, you know, yep. just, just how that game could have gone differently, what we'd learned, how we play, how we'd, how we'd do things uh, next time around. It, it's really good at creating, uh, at evoking the theme it's trying to evoke. And that, that counts for a lot with me.
1: Yeah, it, which it is, wins where it matters, right? This game is good at the points that it matters that this game be good.
2: Which is good because it is not cheap.
0: No, it's not. It's 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 really not. Uh, we were we were almost
2: discouraged uh, at the the board game store from buying it. Yeah, uh, which Star Wars fandom won the day though. It's a, it's a, it's a hundred bucks. I uh, mean, just short of it, like ninety five, I think. Yeah, and they were yeah. like, "Are you sure about this?" I
0: was like, <laughs> "Well, you don't sell any GMT games, good sir. So you've, you've left me with no other option." <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was it it, it was a fun time, uh, and I, I definitely think it's 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 worth getting, especially if you've got someone who you think you're able to uh, get a few games in with. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think like those those second and third games are gonna get real interesting. Uh, I think I'm looking forward to when uh, Sean and I can can do our rematch uh, because it's definitely it's it, it's breaking from like it's not doing what the other coin games are doing. Uh, what, the, what the coin series is doing uh, it's, it's very much uh, creating a pretty effective version of uh, coin in the Star Wars universe and uh, for a certain, <laughs> for, for a nerd of a certain age and interest uh, there could be no finer pastime
1: that's fair, yeah totally I definitely agree, agree with you, I, I wish it had a little more sneakiness to it, but I do love the, the bluffing element so it's hard to get away from that All right, well, that will do it for this week.
0: Uh, We'll be back next week uh, with more strategy discussion. Three Moves Ahead is produced, as always, by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. Uh, Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then,
2: for John Boulding, And Sean Sands, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.